So this morning's uh, Dharma talk is titled Pride Hideouts. Hides out. Hide out. Hides out. Hide out. <laughs> you wrote it down. What does it say? Uh, you want what I wrote or what you sent me? <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't matter. Pride so, hideouts. Right. So the idea there with that uh, topic is to is to talk about the way that particular aspect of the ego mind, the self-centered mind, the me-first mind. Uh, perhaps this uh, talk will help you look at that more closely or see, you may think you have no pride, which is uh, pretty prideful. So as in the Yogacara tradition, the eight consciousnesses, which is what we use to try to see how consciousness works. It's very simple. The first five sense fields, very simple, smell, taste, touch, um, hearing, seeing, and so on. The sixth consciousness is, uh, is the one that kind of keeps track of all that and makes sure that the person who is, or the consciousness that is uh, smelling is also the same consciousness that is uh, seeing the fire that they're smelling. Instead of that way, we don't, because the consciousness doesn't belong to anybody, then it tends to gather around a particular entity who's come into this lifetime for whatever purpose. Maybe to fulfill their karma, maybe to fulfill, to actually get what they missed in the last time, or to double back around and go through that whole same thing again. Uh, as I say over and over again, don't believe a word I say, but, but don't disbelieve it and don't look away from it. But reflect on it a little bit. Give it, give it the benefit of the doubt a little bit. When you start to believe something, this is what happens to the awareness. You start to shut down. So you don't have to do that. You don't need that reference point. You can live life just perfectly well with no opinions whatsoever. This doesn't mean that opinions won't come and go like they should. They, they serve a purpose. We need to come to conclusions about as things are changing and appearing and going. You're going to come to conclusions about everything. And then and then it, uh, it goes away. So, and it should. But if there's some kind of fear happening the two that uh, the the are they tend to go unnoticed are hope and fear fear doesn't go on unnoticed but we never we don't really look and see that hope is part of that you can't have fear without hope and what the other one is vice versa so so then there's the sixth the thinking process that's just a generic thinking process which also has has a quality of self-centeredness also that kind of leaks over from the from the seventh, just a way of talking about it. Somebody, uh, Bill Waldron, could come here and say, "No, it's not exactly that way. It's this." So, and I would not argue with him at all. There's nothing to prove. Just the way it looks here. And the seventh consciousness, which is where the where the so-called pride is located, that that little that little dab of uh, of me first, along with the other three aspects, which is probably dozens of different aspects to the seventh consciousness or the uh, the uh, the uh, paranoia about protecting something, or the f uh, the fear that something is going to be taken over, and so on. Not too much intelligence happening there from the point of view of uh, an open perception of what's happening or what this is about. And then, as we have heard about before, the Ali Vijnana or the storehouse consciousness, where uh, which creates the whole uh, whole dynamic of consciousness from the storage area to the actual just smelling something. That's all brought together in such a way uh, that it feels like there's someone here. There's a body, the five skandhas, we would go to that if we wanted to go through that process and see how that hooks up or links up or how those are, are in are dependently arisen. So the pride area is interesting because it's not just a flashy pride that shows up as some kind of puffing up. But it's also very subtle. If someone has seen that in themselves and doesn't want that, doesn't want to, is self-conscious and is trying to, instead of just seeing what that is and letting it be what it is, instead there's a, a tendency to want to push it down so nobody knows that you have that. So I often say, don't you don't have to correct anything. There's nothing to correct. Whatever is happening in your in your mind is uh, should just be received. Don't try to be somebody else. Be your, be who you are, and that may be. If you start to step into onto that path, that may be terrifying. But if you find out, and if you find out that there isn't anyone, then 
there's nobody terrified. There's just the terror. Or on a lower level, you know, maybe you're not that fancy an incarnation where you're going to be terrified. Maybe you'd just be scared. What do they used to call that? Scaredy cats. Yeah. I don't know why they pick on cats. Well, I guess they do know that. <laughs> so the interesting way this happens, and, and there's lots of ways, and we can talk about it if you have questions about it. Uh, I'll try to, um, mutually, we'll try to talk about that. So one of the things that happens that is not an obvious kind of pride is the pride that just flips over and where we start to get down on yourself. I'm terrible. I can't do this. this is, and that's just pride. It's the same energy gone under, gone under. So it, it doesn't look like it. And it doesn't even look like it to you. You don't think you're full of pride. You're just, you're just kind of disgusted with yourself. Just down on yourself. You don't want to be that way. You want to be someone else. You want to be somebody better, somebody who doesn't have that kind of extreme narcissism. Second noble truth, wanting things to be different than they are. It all comes back to that basic thing that the Buddha saw deeply, profoundly, and without limit. So it's always about awareness. It's nothing to correct. It's about seeing deeply into the, these structures of the self-centeredness so that they don't uh, control us and manipulate us and so that we see them and then we include them because they're also dependently risen. But they're not dependently risen as a solid, believable, secure, stable identity. They're dependently risen because they're not separate from anything else, but they happen to appear individually. How am I doing? <laughs> when we were in the Hojo, he came in to get the computer and he said, you're going to do just great out there. <laughs> so when we open Karma House over there, uh, we're going to have a we're going to have a, a, a grand opening, and uh, it's going to be open mic night, and you're going to be the first stand up. <laughs> I'll teach you. Well, I have a teacher, so I'm probably, I guess I can teach you. Only if you want to. You'll do great. <laughs> <laughs> so the seventh consciousness, again, this this could be uh, if we were actually had some kind of a what supreme being who would look down and say, mm, that's seventh consciousness, that doesn't work too well. It's actually a seven and a half uh, mixed with a six and a half, and then there's a twelfth consciousness nobody's looking at. You know, you could go on. I'm sure there are scholars out there that are probably doing this kind of thing and writing books about it and getting published and so on. I have no problem with that because people can can do whatever they want to do. What I'm recommending, if you're listening to me, what I'm recommending that you do is use the structure the way it is and, and see if it'll break down for you in a way that, that helps you or supports you in seeing more deeply into your narcissism, into your self-centeredness. Again, it's not about getting rid of it. That's another uh, people trying to do that. Stop this. Stop. Don't, you know, be more peaceful. Don't be warlike. It's misunderstanding. And, uh, and the uh, pride situation also can come up uh, in, the, um, in the seventh consciousness using that, uh, that model. Uh, also can co come up as, as and it's, it's, it's very subtle in this area, but as a uh, um, lo looking down on someone. If, I mean, actually feeling sorry for someone and it masquerades as compassion. It is not compassion. Uh, if you if you're actually compassionate, you won't necessarily have emotions. You you because your your clarity is completely profound and vast. That's compassion. Everything else is somewhere else. They're trying to feel uh, still using very subtle uh, uh, strategy. Work with the dependent origination in such a way that we buy this and we don't buy that. Continually separating things out. If you're if somebody is in front of you and you're talking to them and they're telling you about their difficulty. Uh, you need to be able to listen to them and receive what's happening. Don't produce. Don't produce anything unless they say, what, what should I do about that? And then if you've really been receiving, you'll be able to spontaneously say to them something that may be helpful. But if you have a bunch of ideas or opinions about other people and what the, what's happening in their life, you should zip it. Mind your own business. And so that very situation in, in uh, seventh consciousness, again, using that model, uh, that and I was thinking before uh, when I was talking to Uno about it, I'm not sure I could, I, I have a, a sense of this, but I'm not sure I can get this into words in a way that's that uh, fundamentally uh, 
is possible for you to receive what I'm saying or what I'm trying to point at. But it's it's a very it's a very subtle area, and uh, it's pride, and it's it's about it's a very subtle area, and it's, and it's about using the feeling that is arising as a response to what somebody else is going through, and using that to fuel the identity. Just to leave that area for a moment and go into the sixth consciousness. The sixth consciousness, you could say, and I wasn't taught this particularly, but it's the way it's showing up for me. It's like a, it's like in a, a like we have indigenous people in the country, the people that here first. There's such a thing as being anywhere first. Uh, in, uh, indigenous uh, people, and uh, the the sixth consciousness is like an indigenous consciousness. It's just it's 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 a native consciousness. It's just the, the very necessary thing for, it's like that's what's happening in a deer or in a mouse or in a eagle. Uh, there's some kind of basic mental quality that is happening that is, that is uh, orchestrating what's, what is being received by all of the other uh, consciousnesses, the sense of smell, taste, touch, thinking, uh, or not thinking, but uh, a taste, uh, smell, uh, you know, when you're out there. Sometimes ask somebody, say, name your six sense fields. People have to really think about it because they're so ignoring what that is. After you they see, well, let's see, I smell, and then there's taste. Very difficult to just rattle those off. So the idea with the indigenous area is that there's there's some self-centeredness. They're kind of a um, it's it's busy keeping everything running or organized or orchestrated. So there's not a lot there, but there's some happening there. It's kind of a and sometimes when things start to collapse in the seventh, then it then there's a kind of a bouncing out of that back into the, but down into the sixth and back up. Well, sure, I'm here. Same thing we do. The seventh consciousness does that with the eighth. This is well, yeah. Well, sure, it points to the eighth and so, yeah, there's a self. There it is. I'm not it. I'm just I'm just a gatekeeper here. What I like, what I don't like. The pride part of it is is something that each person will have to see on their own by themselves on the cushion after the cushion, post-meditation, however you want to say it. It's, it's very, very subtle. And please, if you begin to see it, do nothing with it. Don't change. If change happens, then don't stop the change. But, but look at it, because if you, if, you try, if you come to a conclusion about it, even that it's pride and, you know, the tendency of the self-centered mind, which is a multiple, will want to get away from that because it doesn't want to be right. More ego. It's very, very subtle, and it keeps turning on itself like that. This is why it seems to be necessary to not only have an awareness practice where you're stretching that which receives everything, the awareness, the accommodator of everything. You also need a sangha. You also need a teacher, and of course, the teaching. You need a sangha so you can meet face-to-face -face people who are on the same path that you are and are working with it differently. Some people are just so apparently full of themselves that they're difficult to be around. And other people are don't seem to be so full of themselves. They're real easy to be around. But it's very possible the one who's easy to be around is the one that really has the difficulty in that area. And the person who's running off of the mouth or whatever is actually working with it in a, in a more intimate way. You, you know, Don't set up standards. Don't judge by any standards at all. As soon as you start to judge by any standards or any comparison whatsoever, Everything stops investigating. Always be open. Always know that when someone says, you're going to do fine, that they actually mean it. <laughs> and they actually know how frightened you are. Not kidding you. Questions are fine if you have them. I've been going through a time of grief. Mm -hmm. Pretty much my childhood. Grieving a lot of the pain from my childhood. Yes. What's your name, please? My name is Kate. Hi, Kate. And I was raised Roman Catholic my first time at the Buddhist temple. And I, uh, is, I realized that a lot of things I thought were fear were really my pride. It's interesting you brought it up today. But I, my question is um, that sometimes when I'm really sad and it's self to me maybe self-centered, it's really grief and like what's the fine line between grief and pride? I thought it could be interesting. Very similar. To hear your thoughts on that. Yeah, I don't have many thoughts, but I can answer your question or okay. at least respond to it. I don't know if it'll answer it. But they're both separated and they're not separated. Giving something a name actually gives it a credential. That's why people are, 
if you come to me, not every teacher will do this, uh, and, and, we, and you receive a formally become a Buddhist, a student of the Buddha's Dharma, uh, just this old man, a student of the Buddha's Dharma, then I will change your name. And then you need to use that name. Now, there's some pride there too, but it doesn't last too long just because of the nature of the practice you have to do. How much do you meditate? I mean, I don't quantify it. My life is a meditation, I think. Or shit. Or shit. <laughs> or some other kind of shit. Huh? Or some other kind of shit. Okay. Uh, well, I'm telling you, you're sitting in here. You give me permission to talk to you. You didn't come in here. I couldn't say that. If I met you somewhere else, I would never yeah. think of saying that. To you. I receive. Okay, good. Good. So, but don't, don't, I'm not saying your life isn't a meditation when I say horse shit. I'm just trying to bring your awareness to what you're saying there. You're, you're actually closing down by naming what your life is. I receive. <laughs> Good. Probably is a meditation. Did I answer your question? Um, I, I asked for thoughts. It wasn't really a question. Yeah. It did receive your thoughts. Okay. Good luck. Further questions? Uh, what happens to the ego when pride falls away? Nothing. You just, uh, instead of looking at, instead of looking at uh, some kind of solid idea of ego, you're just looking at the bare bones. There's still sinew. There might be even odds and ends happening there, but it doesn't have any, uh, it has no, to use the fancy word, it has no ontological status as someone who's solid that you've got to get rid of or you've got to hide out from. Or? I can't imagine ego without pride. So I, I'm just, it feels like it's infused, pride is infused in my ego. So what's the problem? I, I don't know what to do with it. Don't do anything with it. But it keeps showing up. So? So? Well, I keep making an ass of myself. Well, I'm happy that you know that. You don't have to have other people tell you that. Doesn't your wife tell you that quite often? <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't, she lets me know and stop yeah. Loving ways. Yeah, kind of like I do. <laughs> <laughs> Just like uh, the, the compassionate way I related to Kate's question. you know who Kali Ma is? Who? Kali Ma from Hinduism. Is it a woman? The hugging woman? She's the one that hugs everyone? Oh, who is it? She's the goddess of destruction mm -hmm. who has the skulls around. Oh, Kali. Yes, I know who that is. Yes. She's the one that teaches true compassion. Oh, good. That you are describing. Oh, thank you. I do okay. <laughs> Scary sometimes. Further questions? Shane from California has a question. Oh, no. <laughs> Shane. Okay, Shane, go ahead. How do we work with the co-occurrence of pride and things we should actually do differently to further our progress on the path? Sit more. Sit down, hold still. Look at the ambition that comes out of your question. Look at the ambition. Don't get rid of it. Don't join it. Don't approve of it. Don't disapprove. Don't look away. Those are the three poisons. So look at the wall. Gaze at the wall. Do block sitting. Sit in four-hour segments once a week or twice a week. There's nothing to get rid of. But. Earlier, you were bringing up something that you said that you were talking to me about having difficulty putting into words. But you said... Pride is using a response to somebody else's situation and that fuels the identity. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Uh, could you say more about that? Ask me a question other than that. <laughs> Ask me Kate's question. Can you remember her question? Weren't you paying attention? Were you all wrapped up in your own thoughts? Is grief pride? Um, let's ask her. She's the one that said that. I do not believe that grief is pride. Okay. I do not. Okay. I think there are elements that could be slipping into pride, okay. but for the most part. Do you have any questions for her? No, I, I'm very curious about that subtle area that you were talking yeah. about earlier, too. Yeah. I was going to try to ask something along those lines, unless uh, Shoto has it. Shoto, go ahead. So she can ask my question. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Is sympathy pride? Is that what you're pointing at? You know, I'm not saying that any one of those, any one of them is pride. I'm saying that there, that's, pride will use that as a mask. And, and, and the, the consciousness, the awareness, the, your, your wisdom mind kind of sees that, but it kind of gives it all a break. Your wisdom mind is not somebody. It's wisdom, and it doesn't belong to anybody. 
wisdom is, there isn't anywhere. You, everywhere you look, there's wisdom. Everywhere you look, there's the Buddha. Unless you're confused or ignorant, and then you'll see otherness. You'll see everything is other. Everything is else. Everything is an enemy. and Everything is a friend. Everything is success or failure, all the other. But if you see what this is, then uh, everything is empty of other. It's empty of the otherness that it looks like it wasn't empty of. Empty of. Is pride thinking there's someone else? Yeah. Good one. Yeah, it is. So it's very interesting to know that all you have to do is see this. It's always about awareness. Buddha, the awakened one. What did he awaken to? Suffering. What did he awaken to? Confusion, delusion. He did not awaken to happiness or peace or tranquility that most people are striving to get to because he saw the dependent origination of this world. And he, he as, a, um, as Chief Joseph of the Nespers, which I quote often because I think it's such a great quote from where the sun stands now, fight no more forever. Just no more fighting with yourself, no more disagreement. Be, be the, the negativity that's arising. Whatever negativity is arising, just don't argue with it. Not easy. Right, Rumi? <laughs> yes. We don't have to get rid of pride or the ego, and it seems to make us think there's somebody else. How can we see not separate if there is a pride in you? I think it's just by persistence, give, giving giving the benefit of the doubt to whatever's arising without without doing anything with it. it comes back to the three natures of everything is dependently arisen. If you don't see that, then you're going to think other things. Those things will be dependently arisen. They're all obvious. And then we we judge. We add on. I like it. I don't like it. It's good. It's bad. It shouldn't be that way. It should be this way. And, on, and we just make a big pile of, uh, of otherness. Go ahead. Right at the base of any other kind of separate emotion we might think we have. Paraphrase that. Is pride the basic separation? I don't know if you could call it basic, although it might it might be stronger, say, in some people than in others. Pride is very, it's, it's we have an idea of what that is, that puffed up kind of feeling, but actually it might be the other side of it. Anytime you have one thing, you're always going to have the opposite polarity, that is, they're not separate from each other. So it's like... Um, like if a person sets themselves up as someone who just wants peace and just wants love and kindness and all this in the world and goes out and tries to push that on on another aspect of the world that is more at war and wants to demand wants their rights and wants their their territory and wants this and wants this you know that whole polarity is just it's just it's just war that's i often say don't go to war don't go to war and don't go to peace don't do anything peace is already the case if you fiddle with anything everything comes starts to uh, this tends to be a big contest going on all the time. Chazan. <clears throat> Just listening to your talk upstairs, some questions came up around the Bodhisattva vows. I was upstairs talking? Mm -hmm. huh. Yeah, you were much flatter though. Hmm. <laughs> I've lost some weight. <laughs> um, I was just wondering, when we talk about the Bodhisattva vow to be with all things, we kind of idealize <laughs> it and talk about that fruition. Yes. And when we're still in the midst of our own suffering and people we like and dislike, what is the path of the Bodhisattva? That's how it feels. There will always be people you like and dislike. And because it's dependently arisen, so we're here, we're human beings. Be genuine. Be genuine. Be your neurosis. If you actually are your neurosis, then it can't attack you from the side. You know who you are. It's called, uh, there's a fancy word for that. What's it called? Humility. Being humble. Knowing that you're, you're crazy. You have some difficulty. You have some jealousy, you have some envy, and shit like that's going on below the surface and it's there. Please don't try to get rid of that. You, you came into this world, it'd be like trying to meditate away your, your ears because you don't like your ears or you know anything else that we try to do with our body. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying do whatever you want to do. But to respond to your question, just be with all things, whether that's something showing up in your uh, mind stream or your uh, uh, sensorium, however you want to express that, or whether it's apparently something showing up outside as another person, another thing. No more warfare with anything. Just you, you, if you can see that outside, inside are not two different things, they're just two words for the same thing. Hope and fear are two words for the same thing. Life and death, two words for the same thing. Nothing happens. Go ahead. Does be with all things take on a different quality when it, when it is within the context of the Sangha? Same one. You've often said that the Sangha is not people we particularly choose to be friends with. 
So I've noticed. <laughs> you can choose to, to not be around somebody. Yes. You say, wow, that's difficult. I'm not going to do that. No. Does that take on a different quality within the context of... Uh, well, that's why we receive vows. If you if you need to, everyone's different. That's why we do that, so that we can have some kind of a. Well, I've said I'm going to do this. I'm going to. But as you go, you realize what that vow means. That means that you're going to actually have to be with people that are very uncomfortable for you personally to be around, even though they don't, they don't intend to. They're just trying to be happy too. But their energy and your energy are kind of uh, come together and uh, spark. And I would say. Don't add, don't subtract, don't divide. Do nothing with it. Just, if anything, receive the sparks. Just look, whatever sense is picking up on those sparks of that negativity, just receive. And no addition. No, no. The only, sometimes if somebody's really having difficulty, then I, given the, I don't know where this came from originally, but it's uh, it's actually actively do. Thank you very much. I have no complaints whatsoever. You can actually do that. Uh, to if someone's in, someone's giving you trouble, you can do that to their face, or you could do it to your memory of it. Think about them and actually, and do that so that you use the the intention and you use your you could say your wisdom mind or that aspect of your mind, or bodhicitta is called the mind of awakening that wants to actually be wants happiness for everyone. It really has everybody's uh, really loves everyone, but not a love that's a it kind of comes and goes. It's not a love that you can find, identify, and you can quantify somehow. It's just it doesn't. Love doesn't belong to anybody. It's not. It's not. You can't own that. You know. You the only thing you can do with you can't even love anybody. The only thing you can do is just be that. But how that shows up for for you, uh, how love shows up for you may not accord with your pride, your self centeredness. May be difficult. How do we? Um... <clears throat> have a willingness to lose when in the relative situation, we may be right. Yeah. Quite often that's, that's a challenging part because we might think, well, that doesn't make any sense. I mean, they're, they're obviously wrong. So uh, don't get rid of anything. Just, uh, just be with it. Probably in that and every situation will be, be different because some situations you might actually come in and say, no, you can't do that. You can't do that. Yes. That's inappropriate to do that or whatever it is that's happening. But to have the other person in mind when you're doing that so that you don't. So, you know, you may have to be very aggressive. Compassion or love or caring doesn't show up. As Kate was talking about, uh, Kali uh, teaching how destruction, you can't, you can't have creation without destruction. You have to have those. So, so you have to, I mean, you have to, if you're here, then all I'm saying is don't fight with anything. Don't try to get, don't, like a talk I gave a couple of weeks ago, I said, don't improve. Not that you can't, you won't notice an improvement. Of course, it's going to happen, but don't do it. Don't sacrifice, you could say, your awareness for the, the incomprehensible polarity of being a living being for some kind of uh, little goal of getting somewhere, of, of improving and getting better and better. It's not that you can't notice improvement. But directly in your uh, case that you're mentioning there, it, it could show up lots of ways. You might say something, you might say nothing, but you would notice that polarity without, w without, uh, do it without correcting anything. You might still correct, but there's no added, I'm right, therefore I can correct. Anytime we're talking to, to ourselves about what we should do or what we shouldn't do, there isn't anything but what's happening. And that's why the ego form will create a whole world of polarity and relativity and right and wrong and everything in order to, because that's where it gets its fuel from. And, and that fuel will operate as long as the body mind doesn't go back into the, the elements. When that happens, then depending on what you've done in this life, the consciousness will either continue or it will find another body to try to find its relative happiness uh, or uh, maybe something else. Question? Can that polarity ever be so strong, in, in particular within the context of the Sangha, where it's best for me just not to interact with somebody or to. Yeah, yeah. Thank you very much. See you later. Now, Is that a situational thing? It's very situational. And, and if, you're, if, you're, if you're training your mind, and there's no guarantee, but if you're training your mind and if you're aware of the, of the energy coming in, you're no longer trying to find right and wrong or trying to, or buying into some kind of feeling of being correct. Or buying into some kind of identity, like you're the, uh, you're what is that title that I gave you? 
does that mean? Figuring it out. Yeah, it means head teacher. No, it means head student. <laughs> <laughs> that was an unexpected promotion. <laughs> well, you notice how quick I demo. <laughs> Can I ask about certainly context? Can I ask? I'm just thinking about is you put somebody into a position of relative authority. Is it ever appropriate for that person to not be willing to work with somebody? So, you know, as the karma between individuals, I'm sure you've noticed, you're young, but you're old enough to, to notice that some things you, you really don't have their choiceless. Uh, actually, everything is choiceless. It just looks like uh, you have some choices, which is okay too. But there's some things that you cannot, you cannot get in the way of it. You just can't, you know, and, and this doesn't mean you have to necessarily go along with it, uh, but you should work with the energy as it arises. The energy that as it arises is very important to see and work with. Don't object to anything. Don't agree with anything. As it says on the little pillow in the other room there, I think one time in a talk I said, and I think Kevin Townley was listening to me, and I say, you may have to kill somebody. I mean, and that doesn't mean dabbing them with a knife, although he had a pillow made with a bloody knife on it, and you may have to kill somebody, and now it's in the, in the white tar room. <laughs> I didn't really mean that. But, but on the other hand, you may... <laughs> You may drive out of your driveway, getting ready to go to the grocery store and run over someone who stepped out from behind a car when I mean, it could happen. So you may have to kill somebody. You can't, you can't get away from causes and conditions. You can't get, you can't, you can't protect yourself. You can be the perfect driver and all it takes is someone having a heart attack as they're coming down past the road and veer into you. We all know this. I'm not telling you anything new, but you, you may have to die tomorrow. You, you know, you, we don't know the causes and conditions that, that are set up, that are moving constantly. There's so much movement. There's so much movement and everything. Just to go down and try to inspect something very, very tiny, like uh, your the cells in your body. There's science right now that is still looking at it, trying to understand what life actually is. What is this that happens? And, and who organized all this? There's the who, that's why the who question doesn't work in that case, because you won't find anybody. Wait, on the other hand, that works pretty well. Now, find out who this is. If you find somebody, come and talk to me about it. I'd like to meet them. Everything is everything. Everyone is presenting their their karma to the world all the time and looking for acceptance or looking for rejection. Less is better. Be a minimalist. The only thing that you need to do more of is sit still and. Is that a question? Oh, because so I've never had anybody raise their hand that way. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, I was wondering about. Also, in the context of the student-teacher relationship, yes. that the teacher may do something that is incredibly painful or upsetting, and yet, yeah. because of the nature of the relationship, we give it the benefit of the doubt, perhaps. But somebody that is not <clears throat> our teacher may do something less offensive, mm -hmm. and yet we cling to that. Very interesting. What's your question? How can we begin to give others the type of benefit of the doubt that we might give a teacher? might take some time. You have to do it with a teacher first. Just like uh, you can see how I'm uh, sweet-talking uh, Kate, get her to be a student of mine. <laughs> that doesn't work. I'm not interested in getting more students. If, you, if, you, if this chemistry works for you, then come this direction. But I'm not interested in magnetizing or seducing anyone into being some kind, I don't need, I don't need followers. Uh, if I want anything, I want Buddhas. I want everybody to awaken to their, to the truth. So they don't need this old man. And they'll see that they never really needed me. Not a cult, as I've said many times. Mainly I'm saying that because there's so many cultish operations where they're right. Well, I, I don't claim anything like that. Yes. It seems traditionally there's a pretty relative goal on the path to have some kind of fruition. But as we practice, that seems to be maybe less of the case. Is there a goal that we have? Yeah, save all beings, be with all things, help everyone, help everyone. And you might have to work with this identity first. If you've got a warfare going under your, on under your rib cage that you don't know about, you've been stuffing since you were three years old because you were mistreated then, or you were mistreated in the 13th century uh, in a prison somewhere, which is possible. I'm not saying it's true, it's possible. Then that is hidden, it's so painful that you hide out from it. We don't want it. It's painful. So if it starts to surface, if something triggers that, 
we might either run away or we might accuse the person that has triggered it and think that the aggression we're feeling that looks like it's on them, it's called projection, that we have to go to war with that. When actually it's our aggression, they, they might be even shocked that you're so upset. So, gee, sorry I offended you. What the hell is his problem? That kind of thing, yes. Is the goal continuous? It doesn't go anywhere. So continuous is a relative term. You have discontinuous and continuous. And I would regular, I would rather say it's it's just a, it's just a vow to be with all things. It's on, it's ongoing. Once it starts, can't stop it. So if you wanted to call that continuous, you could. But on the other hand, it isn't anything at all. It doesn't separate itself from anything. The, if, if you in this situation of receiving a vow to be a, a function as a Buddhist. Uh, student of the Buddha's Dharma, or the, that teaching, then sometimes we need more, as I call this, more glue. Maybe we need to make the soul one of these and glue ourselves to this because it's very easy to go another direction. Just a few random thoughts about, what am I doing this for? This is ridiculous. It doesn't take much of that to just go somewhere else. And what do I say? Is that right or wrong? I don't know. I know what, you, I know what your karma is doing to you. I know my karma is difficult enough. I couldn't do this if I didn't have some fairly difficult uh, Karma. Saito. When the difficulty is coming up from inside rather than coming at us from mm -hmm. the outside, is thank you very much. I have no complaints whatsoever. It's appropriate there. I think it could be. I think it would be up to each person. Might have to do a lot of them. Or you could just do nothing at all, but just watch the difficulty. Just watch it. If you if you if you don't add, if you don't add anything to the difficulty, say it's a feeling of depression, which is kind of give it a name because we don't know where it's coming from say you're 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 there and you're just you wake up in the morning you're just feeling depressed don't, don't no math at all just receive the feel give it your attention and then and then as you give it your attention you'll notice that that feeling seems to move towards you or or seems to kind of take over your consciousness just just observe it and if you don't have a strong awareness practice it's very difficult to to just observe, it's, and it's very, uh, the thought process is very seductive. It wants to get down and tell you what you're feeling. The thought process, the thinking process, uh, especially the, the six, it's more subtle with the six consciousness because it doesn't show up too much as this, like the seventh does as me, me, me. It's more like, well, you just need to take care of this. You know, you need to, this is because you're not eating this or uh, you're not eating too much of that or you're, anything. It can go anywhere. It's because of the way you were treated when you were three years old. And it's not that some of those things aren't correct. It's just that they're circular. So they'll go in circles where the what is recommended from here, and I mean from here, is is to just just receive whatever happens. This is how you train yourself to be a bodhisattva, to re relate with the the world is in terrible suffering everywhere. And, and in order to help the world, you have to make sure that your own suffering doesn't uh, that is uh, locked in your uh, sensorium, whatever you want to call it, this incarnation doesn't get confused with the with the with the suffering that's arising in the world. So you don't project your suffering onto the world and make make it not only worse for them but worse for yourself. So clarify this: it's not that you can't go and you know vote vote <laughs> can't talk to people about their ideas and their. It's not that you can't hang out and stuff like that, join a movement or something. You could, but but. To really find out what this is, rather than naming it depression, don't even name it anything. If you name it depression, then find that little slip where that's written down, and your that part of your mind where notes are kept, and then just set it aside. Say, well, if I need that, I'll get back to it later. Right now, I just want to see what the label. Take the label off the jar. Look in the jar. See what's actually in there. Is it actually acorns? Is it, what is in that job? What is that? If, you, if, you, if you're looking at it, if you want to know if you're looking at it, I can tell you how you will know. You won't know. If you look at any kind of, any situation like that where you're, where you're not necessarily including an analytical or speculative thought process because it wants conclusions and it will laminate all kinds of uh, names and ideas and, and, and use all kinds of science and uh, what is that? Entomology and etymology? In, Bugs and words, yeah. Uh, I look at those mixed up, and, and then you won't notice it. And then, then if you do notice it, then you'll say, "Well, I didn't mean that." It's just a—it's circles and circles. So, but if you sit and just look at the 
the feeling of not knowing is what ego does not like that feeling of not knowing. And it's, it feels, starts to feel insecure. This is why Pema Chodron on one of her books uh, called, titled her book, The Wisdom of Insecurity. Wasn't it her that did that? Or was it some other dude? Or do that? Somebody else. Huh? Somebody else, I think. Let me have it. Well, I don't know. I don't know the book. You don't? No. What are you commenting for? <laughs> <laughs> I like that smile. Yes, you very much. <laughs> <laughs> I did ask you a question. Yeah. Okay. I stand correct. There, so there. So there. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, where in the five skandhas does pride show up? Uh, everywhere. So that's the breakdown. That's the way we look at the ego, the self-centered mind, and the and the consciousnesses that are arising in the fifth skanda. Uh, all of the six sense fields and their objects, uh, including a thought arising in in the, in the mind. You're not going to find a, a location particularly. It's a combination. It's dependently risen. You had a question? There are a few questions online. Okay. Jeremy, I think from Grand Rapids, says, Good day, Sokazan. Can one sit all day and never arrive at Chicken Taza? Sure. Yeah, do it anyway. He also asks, Can't we escape all this mind pride talk by achieving Chicken Taza? No. Not about escape. Not about getting away from anything. Everything is dependent on arisen. There are not separate things called wisdom and confusion. Those are not separate. If you want to find out about that, then watch what moves. You can't, you can't, enlightenment isn't something else. Awakening isn't something else. It's, it's you're looking at it all the time. Further question? From Shane again in California. You say, be your neurosis. What refuses to function out of neurosis? Just self-centeredness. And it could be pride, not wanting to be wrong, wanting something else. Question from Oscar in Houston. Oscar in Houston. He asks, if we don't have pride, would we even practice? <laughs> you would, Oscar. You keep practicing. And it's not about if we don't have. We all have something like that. I'm not saying get rid of it. I'm saying if you're aware of that, if you're, if you're aware of the pride, if you're aware of the self-centeredness, if you're aware of the, that fluffy area, then you don't have to get rid of that. Make friends with that. Be friends with your negativity. But you can't do that unless you're unless you're aware that you're that you have you're kind of needy in some area where you need to be protected or covered up in some way. Just a way of talking about it. And I may, if I was talking to someone face to face individually, you know, I might talk to them. I might talk to them differently than I'm doing this to in, in general to everyone. For some people, I'm, I might not even bring that up at all, even though I could see it. Some people are not ready to be picked on the way Kate is. <laughs> yes. No. Um, it seems like in culture or society, there's a fluffing up of pride. Like you mm -hmm. should be, you should have pride in your school or your country. Yeah. Um, how is that. fluffing up pride in that way harmful? So it creates a, uh, it creates a sense of camaraderie and brotherhood or sisterhood and you know proud to be an american okay. at least i know i'm <laughs> yeah or the halls of montas the shores of tripoli that's the marine corps you know like esprit de corps in the marine corps they just call it the spirit of a unit get together and you know and this is what keeps the wars going is is the brotherhood or sisterhood in that the people really caring for each other and everybody's in danger you've got a uh, a fire team of uh, six uh, men women whatever and they're working with a, an, an enemy uh, who's going to kill them they have these things thunder sticks and they and then you you protect your your partner your mate you protect them that's what that's what keeps the war going so the, the marine corps and all the other services know that they've got to have the uniforms they have to have the in order to control people. So there's somebody, you notice that the people at the top never go to war and they get their children out of going to war, usually. They give them a pass, something like that. So, it's, but it's not about getting rid of that. It's about being aware of it so that it, so that, that kind of thing doesn't eventually rise to the top and control everyone so everybody is sealed off from it. It'd be like proud of being a Buddhist. <laughs> Although Trump Rinpoche talked about uh, Vajra pride, I mean, he, he 
but he was more about building a, a community. His, uh, his, and I didn't talk to him about it, but looking back on it, I have a better understanding of what he was up to. He wanted to really sink some the roots of the Buddhist teaching in this culture. And he was pretty successful, even though other crap has hit the fan since then. But uh, that was, that was I think that was probably a strong motivation for him. So he uh, and uh, talked about Vajra pride or the, 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 the some kind of indestructible um, affirmation going on there. I don't I don't agree or, or disagree. Do whatever he wants. Did whatever he wanted to do. Kevin Tommy has a question. I read that the neurotic side of the Buddha family, Ratna, is pride, and its wisdom is equanimity. Is experiencing pride without meddling equanimity? Yep, that was easy, Kevin. Why don't you come here and fill in for me? Oh, he's in there? No, he's not. He's over there. The question came from over there. <laughs> yes, you could say uh, using, I don't teach out of the Buddha families, but it's a, it's a powerful teaching if you want to look into that. Buddha, uh, the Buddha family, the, uh, the Ratna family, the Karma family, uh, the Vajra, and um, what's the other one? Padma. Mm -hmm. Just ways of talking about energy. So, I have a final question anywhere? Yes. Another question from Shane? Yes. You say, don't function out of your neurosis. How do you be your neurosis and not function out of it? Same thing. Very good. It's, it's the same thing. It's not, it's, again, we're coming back to a basic teaching of Buddhism, of Hinduism, and of any powerful, transformative spiritual path. Whatever, wherever it comes from, uh, not to it's the, it's the duality that we that separates us from everything. There, there's the, the, the two-ness that looks like, or the separation that looks like beings here and a being here and talking to. If you if you see what this is, you see that the, nothing is separate from anything else anywhere. So the very thing that that he's addressing the question again, and maybe I can address it more closely. You say don't function out of your neurosis. How do you be your neurosis and not function out of it? So uh, the reason I say don't function out of your neurosis, I know you can't help it. I can't help it. I'm completely full of myself and neurotic. I mean, I, I could say that, but but knowing that helps you, helps you, me, anyone, helps you function with the world. You're no longer closing off the energy of the world, negative, positive, and neutral. You're no longer picking and choosing anything. You no longer are confused by the nature of fire, the nature of water, the nature of earth, and the nature of air, or, or consciousness. No longer confused. Have no no questions about anything particularly. That doesn't mean you're a know-it-all. It might be more like you're a know-nothing. There's no, there's no, the polarity that continues to show up is not separate. It's just, uh, it's all over, and it's the yang and yin symbol. It's the, the two, the drama faces, the, the, the sad and the smiling face of drama. Not separate. So when I say don't function out of that, I know you can't help it. But if I say that, then you probably will come be more aware of what it is that you're calling, not me, but what you're calling uh, neurosis or what you're calling separation or what you're calling your ego or your identity. You'll probably be more closely to it if if uh, I'm functioning as a teacher guide. Kevin Townley has another question. Yes. Is this notion of transforming neurosis into wisdom a misunderstanding? No, uh, it's a it's a way of transforming awareness uh, into um, into wisdom is a way of talking about it, so that the one who is approaching this teaching as a student uh, will stop uh, looking away from their neurosis. So it's just a it's just a, an ancient technology for working with the nature of the mind. The mind, we want to get better. We want to improve. And we want to change. We want to be something else. But the consciousness that we're looking, we're looking at Buddha nature. I mean, you're not separate from, from, the, from wisdom. And wisdom is not separate from you. But, you, but wisdom is manifesting as a, a stalk of celery, as a tree, as a gopher, as a, as a redwood, as a human being. And this particular manifestation actually uh, can see really deeply. They aren't as wise as the celery. Not as wise. Uh, celery doesn't interfere. Celery interferes with nobody. Man is interfering with everybody all the time. Wisdom is not a thought. It's not a. It's not an identity. It's not even consciousness. So what was the question? <laughs>
is this notion of transforming neurosis into wisdom, misunderstanding. And again, uh, it's a it's a, a device. It's a way of bringing the student person to to without advantage to look at their neurosis and and, and maybe even seeing how how can, this is a mess. How can I? How can this possibly be wisdom? So it's a way of uh, of helping the, the the individual individual student not abandon the neurosis for some higher state, some god realm of success and getting away from that terrible situation. So, and then when the student gets into that and starts to look at that, then there's different ways of working. There's the tantric practices, the creation completion practices, where you do visualizations of, of visualizing chakras and deities, deities in each chakra and doing the, the, the various kinds of uh, mudras and, and uh, spells or mantras, hundreds of thousands, millions. So go ahead. Or just sit down and watch that. Just sit down and just observe what's moving. You can actually start right exactly here, right? Right there, right here. Hold everything as still as you can and see. Thank you so much. We'll stand and dedicate the merit in the back of our chant books. I'd like to remind everybody about the donation boxes in the hallway. We also receive your generous gifts online through PayPal, debit credit cards. Always appreciating your contributions. Thank you. May this penetrate into all places so that we and every sentient being together can realize the Buddha's way. The three worlds, all Buddhas, all venerable ones, Bodhisattvas, Mahasattvas, the great Prajna Paramita. O Buddhas and Bodhisattvas of the ten directions and the three times, please hear us. Please come down out of the light and protect Sokoboji Buddhist Temple Monastery, our Sangha, families, friends, and visitors. Heal everyone who is unhappy, sick, or suffering.